Culture Club. Yeah, welcome. How you been, how you been greeting people there? Elbow, okay. That's right, yeah. <laughs> Social distancing, right? For the Mystery Inquirer, I'm Don Wilkins. I started out earlier this week at a food site at Owensboro High School, and throughout the week we watched the coronavirus coverage increase and increase that was leading up to a crescendo, a crescendo of just waiting to hear the first actual confirmed case of the coronavirus here in Davis County. And all the reporters on Wednesday were told that they would have to work from home, but we would still continue our coverage wherever it came from. Have you been to this so far? is site number two. Number two. Okay. So I was in I was in Harrison County last go, week, Ground Zero. Uh, six confirmed cases there, and they were they had already shut schools down all last week, and they were doing about 400 meals a day, which is pretty incredible for a pretty rural county. Hmm. And we're just wanting people to know that food's available. It's here for you. Uh, whether you're on spring break or have classroom assignments at home that yeah. this, this is uh, available for you. Yeah, and, and, and yes. people realizing that this is open to anyone, 18 and under, regardless of where they live? or That's right, yeah. And that and what that does is that it prevents an administrative issue. Like, if you have to sit here and confirm if someone's a member of that school or not. And that's, that's part of the waiver that we got through last week. And we're also in discussions right now with, with Feeding Kentucky about the need for food items for non-students, adults in certain areas of Kentucky. In fact, we're, we've been offered 60 semi-truck loads of food out of Indianapolis that we're trying to negotiate right now to be distributed in Kentucky. So there's a lot of, a lot of volume that we're talking about, but school kids are what we're focusing on right now because it's just such a quick transition from schools being closed and making sure that people have access to food. So after, after the, the three weeks, you kind of crossing bridges when you get to them. I, I hope that uh, the authorities will, will have a, some guidance for us here in a couple of weeks. I think that like nationally, we're going to see um, the coronavirus kind of somewhat play out in the next couple of weeks and see whether or not we need to continue this strategy or do something different. Yeah. Um, but there is a very real possibility that school could be out for the rest of the year. But that, that decision's not been made. On Wednesday. All the reporters in the newsroom were told that starting on Thursday the next day, that they would start working from home. But even up until then, the coverage was non-stop. But now it's taken on a new level that we, as even journalists, had never seen before in our lifetime. And then on Friday, I reached out to our health reporter, Renee Beasley-Jones, to see how she was doing and how she was getting along. And I know we've been, ex you know, this, is, this has been an exhausting 
for you and everyone who's been covering this and um, how have you been able to to recover at all physically and mentally from you know from all the coverage that you've been having to do during this time well no for one reason um I, th- I think, and I haven't talked to the other reporters, none of us have really had time to stop and talk about how are you handling, like I get phone calls. I just got off the telephone with a woman who wanted to talk to me about something. I got a phone call one day from a woman who thought it was terrible that daycares were asking their clients to continue paying to hold their spot knowing that those clients were going to have to go out and try to you know, pay somebody, whether it's a high school student or whatever, to take care of their kids while the daycare is closed. And I constantly get calls. I get calls in the evening when I would like to be resting. I get calls. You kind of just work all the time, especially when you work from home. I have done that before, but the reason I said I haven't been able to recover is because I lost a family member, and we buried him on Saturday as the coronavirus was kind of ramping up, and then I came back to work on Monday, and that's when it really broke loose, and it he died on February the 29th, or 27th or 29th in that period. So right at March 1st is when I came back to work after his death. And I've just never felt like I have been able to recover. I also worked last weekend, which made it worse. So I just feel like I've never, I've never written stories so fast and without the ability to really think things through like I would like to. That's been probably the hardest part for me. I'm not a perfectionist. I've never claimed to be, but I enjoy the craft of writing. And for someone who enjoys writing as a craft and as a hobby, to have to do it this fast and this furious is really difficult. Yeah, well, there you know there there is a kind of an old saying of what we do. It's it is literature in a hurry, and it's called that for a reason. And even there you go. And even even during this time, you're right. I mean, uh, we're having to generate stories uh, faster than than normal. I mean, the daily grind is tough enough whenever you don't have yes. this uh, going on a national crisis. And I, I do want to go and, you know, and talk about. You know, yesterday came the news that the Davis County had its first coronavirus uh, case. Thank you, Judge Mattingly. Uh, my name is Clay Horton. I'm the public health director for the Green River District Health Department. And as the judge said, we are announcing this morning that uh, last night we uh, are confirming our first two confirmed COVID-19 cases. Here, and I know up until yesterday, you know, we'd been anticipating that. And so, you know, and you had been kind of on, you know, coronavirus watch up until then. And and because of the circumstances, I ended up covering that press conference. But kind of think back, you know, to that anticipation. I mean, because you were having conversations with the hospital every day, 
you know, with you were staying in touch with the health department every day, and and so kind of can you talk about as far as you know the vibe you were getting up until that point? Yes, and everyone, the Green River District Health Department, Onspro Health, they've both been extremely transparent and. They want the public to know what's going on. And I was told early on that the messenger inquirer would not have to find out about the first case in Davis County or in our region at the governor's press conference at 5 o'clock Eastern time. Um, Just like everybody else would find out about it, that local officials would tell us about it first, and they did. They sent us a heads up. They sent out a press release before they had their press conference. They've been very open about all of this. Um, That's, of course, been the very first question that I ask. I meet with Holmesboro Health. I've met with them every day except one, and that was yesterday because they were at the press conference. And so we didn't have a meeting yesterday, but we meet anywhere between 1 o'clock in the afternoon and 3 o'clock in the afternoon. They want lots of messages out. They want the public to know, please don't come to the hospital. Please don't come and visit your loved one. We understand, but you can understand this is also a time when more than 10 people can't go to a funeral. More than 10 people can't go to a wedding. These are very extreme, rare times, and Owensboro Health has all these messages that it wants to get out, and it knows the best way to get it out is through the Messenger Inquirer and the media. So they've been open. Green River District Health Department has been the governor's office. I've heard lots of people And lots of organizations applaud the governor's office for its daily press conferences. And there have been times where he has had two in one day. Yeah, on Tuesday... The communication has been good. On Tuesday, you talk about the governor's office. You know, from Tuesday, uh, you know, March, um, I believe that would be March the 17th, uh, up until today... um, uh, which is March 20th, right? Yeah. Yes. So we, we've we've doubled the number of cases in Kentucky. So we're, as of, you know, Thursday we were up to 47 cases and, and two deaths. Um, why do you think all of a sudden we, we doubled in that time? Is it because we've started, the testing has, has begun in full force? Well, it has not out here in the hinterlands in in Kentucky. The tests have been done. Where the holdup is, is at the state lab. At one point, the state lab was the only lab doing coronavirus tests. They had to be confirmed by the state lab. Well, I think state government officials found out that's not working very well because the state lab was woefully, getting woefully behind. And they asked UofL to come on and UofL labs has come on. There are now, the governor said yesterday, eight labs in Kentucky not working full time on coronavirus but are conducting coronavirus tests. They're taking those nose and throat swabs and testing them for coronavirus. And that is where the holdup has been. It has been 
at that level. There is not, there just are not enough labs in the state of Kentucky, according to Governor Bashir. He talked about this one day. Unlike New Mexico, New Mexico has an industrial lab. So they've been able to conduct many, many tests. But I'm going to talk about the 47 for just a moment. We have a nearby state, Tennessee. I just saw something, and I haven't verified it, but I saw something that said that Tennessee has had more than 200 while Kentucky is still at 47. And I don't know if they have had more tests and more labs working to produce more results or if we're able to hold the line better Mm -hmm. uh, simply because of all of the different things that Governor Bashir has done. But it would be interesting to see states, see the numbers of states, how many cases they have confirmed, and how many compared to Kentucky if they're doing the very same things that we're doing. But what you're going to see, like, for example, Hancock County and McLean County still have not had anyone tested for coronavirus. The -hmm. rest of the Messenger Inquirer's readership area has. Mm -hmm. So we've heard one from Davis County, one from Henderson County, one Lyon, one Warren, Those are western Kentucky counties where we've heard of coronavirus confirmed cases. But in our area, we still have four more counties, and more than likely, they too will have positive results because it's expected to be everywhere, really. And I guess the extreme would um, would be to go on a total lockdown, where no one, and, and, and I guess except for uh, medical workers, um, you know, I'm told that, you know, being the press, we're an essential business, um, so we may be able to, to get out and about still. Um, but that would be the extreme, um, would be for the governor or for the president to say, you know, don't go out anywhere, all businesses have to shut down, and I mean, if you're not prepared, you know, with food and hygiene products, I don't know how how that would work unless, you know, the National Guard comes out and helps with those sort of supplies. Well, and Governor Bashir talked about that a little bit. He has talked about more than one day during his press conferences, and I would advise people to watch those, those old press conferences for the last two weeks. He, they're all on YouTube and on his Facebook page. You can, you can access them through Kentucky COVID19.kentucky.gov, and they're all there. But he talked about that a couple times this week, and yesterday he was saying, because somebody asked him about, you know, some places are doing shelter in place across the United States, and a reporter asked that question. And he said, you can be guaranteed that even if I ask you to shelter in place, you're still going to be able to go out and buy food. You're still going to be able to shop for things that you have to have. It's not like it's going to be a lockdown. Uh Everybody being locked in their homes. He said it would not be like that. So that's what his message was yesterday. Now, everybody knows 
this is something we've never ever been through before and that could change but right now and he did say that he has no plans to use the national guard at this time for you know making sure people stay in their homes when it came to churches someone asked him how will they be penalized if they continue to hold services because he has an executive order out saying no more church service and there are churches that have disobeyed that and Hmm. he clarified yesterday i don't want you having church service i don't want you to have gatherings of more than 10 so um he he made it very clear i'm not going to jail anybody over this or penalize anybody over this he said what i want is for all of us to stand up as kentuckians if you see a church that's still holding its service go up and say something say i wish you wouldn't put people at risk Hmm. we wish you would obey the law or the rule or the executive order so he's um Although he has done a lot of things and has asked bars and restaurants to close and all of these things, he still is being very, I I would call it even-handed with all of it. He's not out here going to arrest people and stuff like that. I don't look for that to happen ever. Hmm. Yeah. So do you have plans this weekend to, to... Uh, catch up on some rest then? I do. I am hoping I can. I haven't been sleeping well. I got up this morning at 2.30 again, and I, I got up with a story on my head, and I got up with a story on my mind yesterday morning. It was mental health. You know, all of this affects our mental health, and it's it's fearful for a lot of people. It is, and I haven't had time to be fearful myself because I think you have to have time to think, <laughs> and we really haven't. Yeah. We've just been so busy catching up with everything, but um, there are big mental health implications with this whole thing, and as Dr. Wanda Figueroa at River Valley Behavioral Health puts it, and it's so appropriate, there is no health without mental health and I think that might be after all of this dies down and it will at some point the mental health part of it will be the part that we'll be left dealing with Hmm. because I think every time and there will be more pandemics and there will be more it's going to happen Um, every time something like that happens people will be more fearful There's a story that I have written that's going to come out this weekend, and it tells that River Valley Behavioral Health, in the last week, it has seen its calls to its crisis line, its mental health crisis line, go up 40%. Wow. And the severity of the calls, they call it acuity, but the severity of the calls, the type of calls they are, is way up. And people who at one time had mental health problems but had them under control are finding themselves backsliding, if you will. And then they're hearing from people who've never had mental health problems in the past. So I think in the end, while the 
certainly the depth and the illness and the toll that takes is something that lives on forever. The mental health implications of this might even at some point be viewed as far greater. Hmm. And just to update, there were five new cases announced in Davis County as of Friday, March the 20th, and the state number had climbed to 63. And that'll wrap up our show for this week. I want to thank Messenger Inquirer health reporter Renee Beasley-Jones for joining me. To send us questions or provide feedback, email us at newscast at messenger-inquirer.com. Remember, you can find us on the Messenger Inquirer's website, Apple Podcasts, and Facebook, where you can subscribe to Inquirer. Until next time, I'm Don Wilkinson. Good day for Inquirer.